Welcome to The Courage to Bridge the Divide, Episode 36 of Co-Creating Peace, a series about conscious communication and conflict transformation. I'm Kathleen Awigon. Today, I would like to share with you a letter from a listener seeking advice about feeling rejected by family members and not knowing how to have a productive conversation about that. The advice I will share could be applied in any situation where one feels as though others are distancing from them, whether or not it's family members. But first, the quote for today. Today's quote is by Winston Churchill. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Among the many reasons that I love that quote and, in fact, have it on the back of my business card is that I have so often observed that one root cause of assumptions, misunderstandings, and conflict is people being afraid to say what's on their mind, whether it's an opinion, their feelings, or a question they need an answer to. Most often, it seems, that fear comes from either not knowing how to approach the conversation or the fear that the conversation once initiated will not go well and lead to conflict. Sometimes it's because they fear the answer itself. As Churchill says, it takes courage. What can help us to have that courage is to have a well-thought-out approach to initiating and having the conversation. In my response to this listener's letter, I'll offer some ideas on how to mindfully approach the conversation she may need to have. This listener writes, I am a widow in my late 50s. My husband of 20 years passed away five years ago after a brief but valiant battle with cancer. I was devastated and I'm still grieving. My husband was, for all intents and purposes, a single father when we met, since his ex-wife was unable to be a competent parent. I have never had children of my own, but I helped my husband raise his son, who I have thought of as my own son, since he was six years old. He is now an adult and was married in the last days of his father's life, choosing a wedding in another state over being at his father's bedside when he died. Even though his father was heavily sedated and rarely conscious during that time, I was heartbroken over our son's choice and let him know how wrong I thought he was. After my husband died, my son and I remained close for a while, and I was close with his wife for some time, too. As my son and his wife faced major life decisions, I have always tried to be there and have given them advice about the best decisions to make. They haven't always taken my advice, and they have often suffered as a result of the choices they have made. I tried not to be upset about that, but I can't seem to help myself sometimes as I watch them struggle. I try not to say I told you so, but sometimes I just have to, because how else are they going to recognize what the right choice is when they're faced with similar decisions in the future? For the last year or so, my son and his wife seem to be distancing themselves from me, which is causing my heart to break all over again. They don't call me much anymore, they don't invite me to celebrate holidays or special times with them, and they don't accept my invitations to do things together. Even when I remind them of how long it's been since we've spent time together, they don't do anything about it. 
My son says he loves me, and I believe that he does, but something's going on here, and I can't figure out what it is. When I ask him, he just says they're busy trying to get their careers started, and that with two young children and a third on the way, they don't have time to visit. And, by the way, they don't seem to be able to find the time to let me see my grandchildren either, though their other grandparents get to see them all the time. I've tried offering to babysit several times because I thought that would help my son and his wife and give me a chance to see my grandkids, but they always decline, saying that the other grandparents are taking care of that. Is this all happening because my son has never really seen me as his mother and only sees me as his stepmother, so now feels no connection with me now that his father is gone? I also know that sometimes wives feel the need to compete with their mother-in-law for the attention of their husband, so I also wonder if that's part of what's going on, since she has seemed cold and distant toward me for some time now. To top it all off, they just let me know they're moving to the East Coast to be closer to the family, which is her family. Hello, I'm family too. My relationship with them is very important to me, and the thought of losing them feels like another death to me, which is just more than I can bear. Should I just suck it up and accept that I've lost them too and try to move on with my life? Please tell me what you think is happening here and what I should do. Here's my reply. I'm very sorry that there is so much in your life that you are grieving. It sounds like your husband and your son have been your world, and that the loss of your husband and what you fear to be the imminent loss of your son are profoundly difficult experiences for you. Thank you for reaching out to me. In answer to your question about what's going on, honestly, I don't think either one of us has enough information to determine that. I don't want to make assumptions or jump to conclusions about the specifics of what's going on with your son and daughter-in-law, and I strongly encourage you not to either. I don't think that will serve you well. There are too many possibilities here as to what's at the root of what you're experiencing with them, and there are very likely multiple reasons, some of which may well have nothing to do with you, even though they affect you. To help you think this through, here's what I suggest. First, take some slow, deep breaths. Then, try to step back and broaden your perspective. Try to observe the situation neutrally, without assumption or judgment, as analytically as you can. Before you start going into the whys, first think about the whats. What changes have you noticed that might have been more subtle than their withdrawal, and perhaps began before their withdrawal from you? Think back on conversations you had with them before you noticed the big changes. Was there a time when you noticed that their mood changed in the middle of a conversation, or maybe they withdrew abruptly from a conversation, or abruptly changed the subject? If so, try to review those conversations as that neutral observer, without bias for or against anyone involved, including yourself. Watch it like a movie. What was the topic? Notice who said what and how they said it. What were the reactions of the others? Again, see yourself in the role that you had in that conversation, still watching from the neutral observer perspective. Review several past interactions with them in that way. See if you notice any patterns in actions and reactions. Pay attention to those patterns if there are any. 
but without going into judgment or justification, just noticing what you see. Hopefully, this will help you see the pattern of events and the more subtle changes that might have led to the big changes. And it's very important that as you are doing this, you remember that there are other conversations with other people and other events and dynamics in their lives that you know nothing about that could very well also contribute to the changes you're seeing. Of course, your mind has to ask why. You want to understand. And as we know, in the absence of information, the human mind feels a compelling need to fill in those gaps of information so that we believe we know what's going on and so that we can determine how to respond. So we make assumptions and draw conclusions, often judging what we see and writing a story in our head about why it happened. This is exactly the kind of situation where the Iroquois rule of six can be very helpful followed by Awigon's seventh rule. You may recall that in episode eight of this podcast, which I titled, Don't Believe Everything You Think, I talked about the Iroquois rule of six. Essentially, the rule of six says, for everything you observe, look for six different explanations before deciding on one. So, after reviewing past dynamics and conversations, as I just described, Consider as many other facets of their lives as you can, including the stage of life they're in, that they have two young children and a third on the way, that your son may well still be grieving the loss of his father too, as well as how your daughter-in-law's family fits into their picture. And then, from that neutral observer perspective that I talked about, look at the withdrawal from the relationship you've observed and ask yourself, What are six different reasons they might be withdrawing from me? And actually, now that I think about it, from what you've said, you have concluded that they are withdrawing from you because they've stopped spending as much time with you. So perhaps, even better, you might want to remove that conclusion from your question and ask yourself, what are six possible reasons for the changes I'm seeing in the amount of time that they spend with me? Off the top of my head, I can think of several, some of them having nothing to do with you, some of them relating to you. I invite you to look for both. When thinking about how those changes you've observed might relate to you, think again about those past interactions you've had with them. What was your demeanor, your tone of voice? What were you feeling? What energy were you radiating or even exerting into the situation? What words and delivery did you choose for what you had to say? What did you notice about their reactions? This isn't about blame and shame or who's right and who's wrong. It's about did something happen that didn't work well? What was it and what role might you have had in that, if any? If you have the courage to include those questions in your analysis, you may gain even greater insights. And as I said before, there's a high likelihood that there are multiple things happening that might be affecting the situation all at the same time. As with so many things, it's not always either or. It's often both and. After asking yourself what those six different reasons might be, 
and ideally thinking of even more, I propose that you then apply Awigon's seventh rule. Seek clarification before making assumptions. In other words, ask the other people involved, in this case, your son and daughter-in-law, for that clarification. This leads into the answer to your question about what you might do about the situation. The best way to learn what's going on, why, and how to improve the situation is to have a well-thought-out, in-depth conversation about it. You may well need to be the one who initiates that. I encourage you to be very mindful about how you approach that conversation. Please consider using conscious communication. If you get a chance to listen to episode two, where I talk about conscious communication, there are many tools there to help you mindfully plan the best way to go about having any important conversation. The first thing you'll want to do is to define your goal for the outcome of the communication. Not what you want them to do or not do, but what impact or benefit you want the conversation to have on your relationship. Get clear on that. For example, I inferred from your letter that you would like to have a closer relationship with your son and your grandchildren. That's an example of what might be an overarching goal for the outcome. Next, think about what tone you want to set for the conversation. Consider specifically what you want to say that will help set that tone and accomplish that goal. And then how you want to say it. To the best of your ability, share your thoughts and questions in the form of neutral observations. Structure your delivery using iMessages, which I talked about in episode 10, and which start with a neutral observation. Along with that, you might find the sandwich delivery, which I spoke about in episode 28 and other episodes, to be useful. So, keeping your goal for the outcome of the conversation in mind, rather than saying, you never spend time with me anymore, you might say something like, the times we spend together always mean a lot to me. When we get to relax and enjoy each other and play with the children, I feel closer to all of you, and that brings me so much joy. That's the first piece of bread in the sandwich, by the way. Next comes the meat, delivered in an observational, non-critical, and non-demanding tone of voice. It seems that we don't get to do that as often anymore, and I feel the loss of that. I know your life is very full with your work and your family. Notice how my tone of voice wasn't critical or judgmental. Then, use an inquiring or invitational tone of voice as you ask, I also wonder if there's something else that's deterring you from spending time with me, and I sometimes wonder if there's something I'm doing that discourages you and your wife from wanting to be around me. If there is, I'd be very grateful to know what that is, please. I want to do all I can to help us to be a close family and to be able to spend more time together. I want you to enjoy being with me as much as I enjoy being with you. That was the second piece of bread. It will likely take some courage for you to do this and to say that. The next part might take even more courage. The next thing you need to do at this point in the conversation is to be quiet and listen. Remembering that it will likely take some courage for your son to answer you openly and honestly if it does have to do with something about you, create that safe space for your son to feel comfortable sharing his experiences of the dynamic and what's going on without inhibition. 
At this point, all you need to do, and in fact, all you should do, is listen deeply. Listen to learn and to understand. Pay close attention as you let him speak his piece. If you need to, take notes of key points he makes that you want to ask clarifying questions about or about which you want to offer clarification of your own or give a response to. But try very hard not to interrupt, justify, or argue with anything he says or to plan your response while he's speaking. You ask the question because you want to learn what caused the changes that you're experiencing. Focus on what he's communicating to you, and you can accomplish that. Once he's finished, ask the open, clarifying questions you need to ask in order to get a deeper understanding of the situation. Remember that these are questions that start with words like what, when, where, how, and why. If you learn that there's something involving you that's putting them off, try not to have a defensive tone in your voice as you ask for more information. You might say, tell me more about that situation when you were so upset. Help me understand my role in that. Or, what was it about the way that I handled that that triggered you? Or, how could that moment have been handled differently that would have made it a better experience? If you want to offer clarification of your own about anything he's described to you that involved your actions or words, the best way to do that without sounding defensive or saying that he's wrong is to start with something like, my experience of that was, or what I intended was, or what I was thinking was, all of which are more observational ways of offering clarification. Once you and your son have provided clarification to one another about your experiences, and again, what's going on for him may or may not have anything to do with you, try to create a comfortable dynamic in which the two of you can negotiate some agreements to improve whatever the situation is, and to help each of you, and perhaps his wife, to get your needs met in ways that will help you move forward together in co-creating a reality that will work better for everyone involved. To start off that negotiation, you might ask questions like, what agreements might we make that would make the situation better? Or, what do you need from me to help us be closer and spend more time together? As before, whenever you ask a question, listen deeply to the answer, striving to learn and understand. Ask clarifying questions about his response if you need to. Asking these questions doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do whatever he asks for. Where necessary, negotiate ways to meet his needs and yours until the two of you arrive at agreements that will work for both of you. And, as I mentioned before, this may need to involve your daughter-in-law as well, since she is an integral part of his life, and whatever is going on may involve or at least affect her too. You can do this. Have the courage to initiate these important conversations. Have the courage to listen deeply and to negotiate where you need to. You have the ability to co-create a reality with your son and daughter-in-law that works better for all of you. I appreciate you writing to me and asking my thoughts on this. I hope to hear from you again and to learn how this situation evolves. Those of you who are listening 
I hope that you are recognizing that this kind of situation can exist in so many forms and contexts, in many different kinds of relationships, and for many reasons. The key approaches, in my opinion, are the same. Have the courage. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is what it takes to sit down and listen. If you have ideas for episodes of this podcast or specific things you'd like to learn about conscious communication and conflict transformation, please let me know. I want this show to have a direct and positive impact on your life. I look forward to hearing from you with your requests for advice about conscious communication or conflict transformation. I will honor whatever level of confidentiality you want in my response. I'm also happy to answer any questions you may have about anything I've shared with you. All you have to do is email me at awigon at bridgesofpeace.com. That's O-W-E-E-G-O-N at bridgesofpeace.com. I will reply within two business days. You'll be able to hear a new episode of Co-Creating Peace every weekend. This episode of Co-Creating Peace has been brought to you by Bridges of Peace, providing mediation, facilitation, training, and communication coaching services throughout the U.S. and around the world. Learn more about Bridges of Peace by visiting www.bridgesofpeace.com. Thank you for listening, and may you always find new ways to co-create peace in your life.